Hey, this is Alex Terranova, and this is the Dream Mason Podcast. We've been taught to behave, to fit in, to follow the rules, but Dream Masons reject conventional thought. Dream Masons are rebels. They take a chisel to the marble that is typical traditional life. They carve out brilliance and broadcast it to the world. Join me for another chapter as we unmask convention, embrace the rebels within us, and more deeply come to explore the complex and agitated edges of our existence. Now, before we get started, please don't be a rebel yet and grab your phone and hit that little button that says subscribe. Thank you. Because your dreams don't build themselves. Hey guys, this is uh, Alex Terranova and this is the Dream Mason podcast. I, uh, I'm recording some special episodes for the podcast, but really for people, for humanity. Um, and I honestly feel like it's an obligation like to myself, to the United States, to the community, to the world, to uh, African-Americans, to minorities. But basically, everybody's aware of like what's going on in the world, and I'm not here to open up a political can of worms. I think, unfortunately, in the United States, we make everything political, and then we get no solutions. I'm here to have a conversation uh, about being human and how we can be better as humans, and really the idea that we don't know what it's like to be in someone else's shoes or perspective. And the way I want to pose that is... If I'm walking through a parking lot at night, I've never been afraid that like somebody would jump out and rape me. But that is something that women have to deal with when they walk through parking lots. I can never know what it feels like to do that unless a woman explains it to me. So when I was in my teens and 20s, I got pulled over a bunch of times. And one of the things is I never was concerned about anything but the ticket and if my insurance was going to go up. And I never thought about it any other way. And that's not bad. But until I started talking to my black or African-American friends and realizing, oh, wait, they have a completely different experience of getting pulled over. They're actually thinking like, am I going to get shot? Is this, you know, is something serious going to happen? Is this going to be something that we see on the news? You know, growing up, I never had to sit down with my parents and have a conversation about what my sexual orientation was, because if I'm straight, it's the default. And this opened my eyes to like, man, if you're not straight, you have to have that conversation. That's got to be hard. And all these things, all these different perspectives of that we, we think that our way of looking at the world is the way the world is for everyone else. And that's not wrong. That's simply, that's how perspective works. So what I realized in having these conversations and seeing these other perspectives is that my perspective is my reality, but it's actually not the reality for so many other people which opened my eyes in the context of the world that we're in now of what reality are other people facing? What does it actually feel like to be a black or African-American man in America? What does it feel like to be an Asian who's discriminated against or uh, uh, a Middle Eastern or a Hispanic or to be gay or not know your gender or to be, feel like to be a woman? And as a white man, what I started to realize was like, this was my privilege. Like this was the simplest way to look at my privilege. My privilege is that when I get in a car and drive and I get pulled over, all I have to think about is the ticket. That when I cross the border, I'm not, nobody's gonna confuse me and maybe think I'm illegal. That I don't have to worry about when I'm getting a job if my race or my gender is gonna come into play. And I think what I'm, what I'm seeing for so many is people uh, 
are not necessarily understanding that privilege is that simple. It doesn't mean you're rich or you got all these extraordinary advantages. Sometimes it's these simple things just that are circumstances of your birth that we don't even realize we have. And so something that I feel like is um, a duty of mine with somebody that has these privilege is to expose these things and actually look at the perspectives of people that necessarily don't or the, the protect perspectives that they live in. So this is a uh, series that I'm going to be doing here on the Dream Mason podcast where I bring on people, some of which I'll know, some of which I won't know. And we're actually just going to get into the, to the psyche and the perspective of what it's like to be them with the either race or gender or um, maybe um, economic disparities that they deal with in their life, not to debate it, but simply to understand and create, my hope is that we'll create empathy and compassion so that we can all see what it's like to be in the shoes of someone else. Because I, I kind of believe that's the only way that we can change anything is to actually understand what other people go through and see if would we want to go through that. And then we can become part of the solution instead of not even realizing that there is a problem. So my guest today, uh, who I'm so honored to have be the first person to do this with me, is Miyoko Taylor. Miyoko has been on this podcast before. We, we talked about his peak performance coaching. He's a, a multi, uh, he's written multiple books, but we're not going to really focus on that today. We want to focus today on his experience as being an African-American male in the United States and what he's gone through, the experiences he had, what it's like to be him, and really get into uh, to his mindset and his perspective of life. Miyoko, thanks for being here, man. Hey, no problem, Alex. Wouldn't have missed this for the world, man. Dude, I really appreciate you were so open to this idea. And um, it's kind of scary, like over here, having that, you know, as like a, a white guy having to ask somebody, like, <laughs> hey, will you come on here and talk and talk about race? Because it's like, I'm like, man, how is he going to take this? I don't, you know, I want you to hear it, obviously, from respect and from, right. like, you're my, you're my friend, we're colleagues. I want the best for you. I want you to be able to live as privileged of a life that I live. I want everybody to have that. And it was kind of scary to be like, Hey, will you come do this? Cause I was like, man, how's he going to interpret it? So, but you were like, let's go, let's do it. You were excited. And I really appreciate that. Man, I, I appreciate you because I mean, not many are doing this. So for you to even have it in your heart um, to do this, because there's so many people out there that don't really understand, um, you know, what white privilege is and, you know, I have a lot of friends that are all different races, obviously, you know, you being one of them. Um, and when you use the word white privilege, sometimes they get offended because they don't understand what that means. Um, you know, I've, I've yeah. had, I've had some of my friends get in. What do you mean white privilege? I'm not white privilege. Um, but what they mm -hmm. don't understand is that they were birthed into a society um, that is particularly designed to give them privileges, privileges, you know, based on the color of their skin. And um, it's, 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 the, it's the dirty topic that nobody really wants to talk about, but because things are going on in our world now, everything's like blown wide open, it's exposed, you have to talk about it. And I think everybody that um, is a good hearted person, um, they're now motivated and charged to really um, help people understand what's going on here, because this is not just in the United States. I mean, this has reached mm -hmm. the entire planet. Um, so, so it has to be talked about. So I appreciate you, um, sharing your platform with me, man. So yeah, we can get into it and, and, you know, I can share my experiences and hopefully this enlightens others and helps them understand, 
you know, exactly what's going on here. Because some people, you know, believe it or not, they really don't understand. Yeah. And I think you make a good point. Like I, I remember the first time I heard white privilege, I thought it was like, what do you, what do you mean? Does that mean like I didn't earn the things that I worked for? And I think that's where there's like a a disconnect, right? Like I, my white privilege didn't enable me to, didn't enable me to write a book, but right. Like I had to actually write a book. It doesn't take away the things I've done. It's simple. I think that's the weird thing. It's like, it doesn't make the who I am wrong or bad. It's not a judgment. It's simply saying like, hey, the apple has a the apple has skin on it. It's not a bad or good thing. It just has skin. And and like as a as a I think as a white man, for me to not acknowledge that like, hey, there's some things that don't happen for me or do happen for me that don't happen for everyone else, actually is um, is eye opening. And I don't have to have it be like uh, against me or for me. It can simply be like, oh, when I get pulled over, I have a different experience than, you know, a black or Hispanic or Asian or whoever, right? I'm, um, when, when, um, when I go for a job, I have a different experience, right? That's not a bad thing. It's simply, I would be remiss to not acknowledge that it's actually happening. Right. Right. I, I want to, let's start with you. I just like would, what's the, uh, you know, what's the, um, What's the experience like to be from your perspective, right? I don't need you. We don't need to hear what you think it is for everybody, but from your perspective, your shoes, your life, what's it like to be a black man in America? You know, for me, it's, it's my life because like I said, I have a lot of different nationalities of friends. I mean, you name it, probably every race in the book. Um, and because, you know, my profession as a coach and as an author and, um, you know, the things of that nature or, Let's say, I'll give you a perfect example, and I'll put you in it, Alex, right? Say you sure. have a, say you drive a Mercedes. You're driving down the highway, and you get pulled over. Um, the cop may pull you over and tell you that you, maybe you were speeding. So we, we kind of discussed this off, you know, offline where you said you'd be worried about getting a ticket, right? So me, mm-hmm. let's say I'm driving a Mercedes, and a cop pull, pulls me over. He's not going to tell me first that I was speeding. Um, he's going to ask me, oh, how did I get this car? What do I do for a living? And the two things he's going to bring up is either I sell drugs or I stole it. So the, the mentality is totally different. So what I'm saying for someone that is black, that has a certain level of success, that may drive a car, that may have a nice house, um, it's different. It's just completely different. They look at you and say, hey, you know what? That's a successful person. They look at me and say, I wonder what he had to do to get that. You see the difference? Yeah. And I'm, I'm curious too, because it's. I think I, I don't want to step over there like every single cop, right? We don't want to, we don't want right. to generalize oh, no, no, no. any group, right? Of course. But I think what's important here is to look at where did you even learn that, right? Because we all learn these things. So where did you learn that, hey, if I pulled you over as a cop, like, I would hope that I would, that wouldn't be the case because of who the work I've done to be open-minded and understand these things. But where did you learn that, that, that there was that relationship between you and police officers? You know, it's, it's, I think it's something that, you know, I was told, like I said, growing up with, with my parents, 
there were certain things they told us in regards to the police, you know, because we were taught really very, very early that the color of our skin would be a factor in certain things. Not that it would limit us, but it would be a factor and we had to understand it and recognize it. Um, so we were just taught like, you know what, they're going to, you're going to be looked at not by every cop, but there are going to be some people in this world that are going to look at you and, and think that you shouldn't have the things that you have, or if you have the things that you have, you didn't get it in legal ways or appropriate ways. So you just have to be mm -hmm. mindful of that. So that was just something that I was taught um, at a yeah. very, very early age. And I want to give you just a, um, I have two instances and I have to, like, my mind is telling me I have to talk about them. So the first one, the first one, man, I, I think I was like 20 years old, right? And, and my sister is, she's probably seven or eight at the time. And it's her first time out with her big brother, right? So we're going to, you know, get some ice cream or something. And this is the time where I live with my parents and we're on base. And uh, I get stopped by a military police. And I get pulled over. And this is my first account with the law, right? I get pulled over and I'm like, why am I being pulled over? He was just like, did I ask you to talk? And I'm like, what in the world is his problem? So I said, did I run a stoplight? Was I speeding? Wasn't speeding at all. Um, he said, I look suspicious. So I instantly handed, <laughs> I handed my, my, uh, my sister my cell phone. I said, call mom right now. So he tried to take my cell phone. And he's like, no, you don't make any calls. I, I didn't tell you to make any calls. And I had to tell him, I said, sir, I said, you can't tell me what to do with my phone. I said, I told my sister, I said, call mom right now. So my mom's on the phone and she's livid, obviously, because she knows what's going on. Yeah. Um, so I put my mom on speaker and he was there. And so he was just like, oh, well, I'm going to give you a warning this time. And I was just like, a warning for what? Like, what did I do? And he, he was very disgruntled. Um, he asked me a lot of questions where I was going. Um, uh, is this car stolen? So after I got off the phone, I, after he left and my sister's on the phone, my, uh, my mom, she just starts crying, dude. Like, I mean, my sister's seven. She's never seen anything yeah. like this. So she starts crying. And of course I'm crying. Like, I'm like, I gotta be strong for my sister. I, I'm not gonna let her see me cry. And that was my first brush with the law. And I'm like, that was the first time I was like, man, this is really real. And I, it never left me, man. That was one of two occasions. And, um, you know, my sister, me and her still talk about that to this day. And I can't imagine what she's going through. I have to talk to her because um, I'm sure she remembers that account. And then there was another time where it was me and my, um, my baby brother. It was Christmas Eve. I'll never forget it, man. We were going to do some uh, late shopping or whatever, just go to the mall, hang out. Um, and I got pulled over. and. I had a nice car at the time and I had a cell phone. I mean, I was working for a job, working hard like everybody else, you know, saving money and, and getting the things that I, I liked. And he stopped me and I said, may I ask why you stopped me, officer? He said, I got a call in the area about some people um, that are up to no good. And he looked at me and he said, you look like somebody that's up to no good. <laughs> I said, what does that look like? And don't get me wrong. I didn't have anything inappropriate. I was very nicely dressed. I dressed nice. And so I was just like, you know, what's your name, <laughs> your badge number? I just started asking him all the information. 
He was like, you don't have to worry about that. Can you step out of the car, please? So he goes to the other side and flashes the light on my brother. And he starts knocking the window with his, uh, knocking my glass window with his uh, flashlight. So my brother is like upset. He's like, the window doesn't go down because the window in the car was broke at the time. He said, the window doesn't uh-huh. go down. He's like, you're about to break the window. And he was like, what's wrong with this hot shot? And I said, that's my little brother. And he told you the window doesn't go down. So another cop pulled up. And this is when I kind of started to get a little scared because they took me out of the car and they had me walk like a hundred feet away from my brother. My brother's freaking out a hundred feet from my brother. So I'm sitting and I'm like praying at the same time, like, man, these, these cops are going to try to beat me up or something. So they basically say, I think you're up to no good. You shouldn't have these nice clothes that you have or this car. You probably sell drugs. Then I started running down what my dad did for a living. And they're like, oh, he does that? I said, yeah. Um, so they let me go with a warning again. And we went to the mall. And I went home and told my mother. And she called the police department. Because, of course, I got their names and their badges. And do you know what the police, uh, the chief police officer told her? She said, you have to excuse them, ma'am. They didn't mean anything by it. They're just new here. That was the response that my mother got. Yeah, like like you got the wrong taco at a restaurant. Right, right. Like, oh, they're just new here. Yeah. You know, I wanna I wanna put that against. I, I told I said I got pulled over a lot when I was young. Uh-huh. I drove like a pink pinkish brown Buick Skylark on the west side uh-huh. of L.A. <laughs> you know, I probably had a hat on backwards all the time. I didn't dress right. nice. Um, but one account I really remember was on, it was like a Halloween and it was like me and three of my friends were in the car. Um, three of us are white. One of us is black. And when we got pulled over and so nobody would have known that when we got pulled over, right. We just looked like some troublesome kids, right. We literally looked like troublesome kids. And it was at a time where there was some like gang violence in the Santa Monica Culver city area of LA. And cops were heightened alert because of stuff that was going on. And we get pulled over and the cops basically get us out of the car. And we're like 16 or 17, 18, maybe we don't know really our rights. And that's probably another point, right? I, I, we didn't know because nobody ever talked to me about how to be with cops. My mm-hmm. parents never sat me down and like, this is, I just knew like, Hey, just don't be a jerk. Like don't be right. a jerk to authority at all. And that was kind of common sense, but they asked us what we're doing, whatever, you know, straight answers, you know, very what we're doing while we're driving around the neighborhood blah 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 and then they ask us all to get out of the car so we do and they line us up on the curb and they wanted they search the car I mean, we didn't know that we could have like asked told them not to do that but we, we you know we said yes as we're all sitting on the curb none of us are handcuffed or anything just sitting there they ask the one black guy about five or six times if he has any weapon they wow. ask all the rest of us want all, all the rest of us want then when they go into the trunk, they find a bag full of beer. We're completely underage. They giggle, shake up the beer, put it back in the trunk and go, you guys can go. And cause when they asked whose beer it was, you know, it was like, it's mine. And they let us, and they just let us go. And the thing was, there was never, the only thing I remember is like being like, why do you keep asking him if he has weapons? 
Right. Like he's not, there's nothing different about him than us, than the color of his skin. Right. It wasn't even, it wasn't even his car. It wasn't even his stuff. Like, and I remember that that was one of the earliest times I went, I went, Oh man, that was fucked up. I wonder why that happened. Like I didn't get it. Right. Um, what are the outside of police and driving? Uh, what do you remember the first time you experienced like, oh, life is different for me, or like, like it's a different. I'm having a different experience of life than than maybe my white friend or some other kid in the neighborhood or something. You know, I think probably around the time. I mean, you kind of knew it existed, based like I said, because you were kind of told about it. But I think my first experience, like, wow. This is what everybody was talking about. I think it was when I was around 17 or 18 um, because I've been pretty much an entrepreneur since I've you know, been around that age. And I was at a networking event and I was listening to, you know how you're at a networking event. You can listen to multiple conversations at, at once. You're kind of close together. And I was sure. listening to the conversations that other people were having. And it was just kind of like, what do you do for business? You know, how can I help you? That type of thing. But for me, it was just like, Oh, you know, how did you get here? Did you take the bus? It, it it was it was really it was questions that really made me scratch my head. Like, is this what they ask at a networking event? And it was just like everybody that I was talking to was surprised to see me there, if I can say that. Like, what what is this young black kid doing at a networking event? Um, so the questions were not even really geared to be interested in what I do or what I was trying to accomplish, the questions were like, why are you here? You know, yeah, what, what, why are you here? How'd you get here? Um, who do you know? Um, it, was, it was in a very demeaning way. And in fact, I remember it just like yesterday because I wanna say it was probably me and two other people um, that looked like me that was there. And it's funny because I carried that for years. Like it was one of the reasons that my business was very stunted because I would go into a room with executives um, and none of them looked like me and I would feel like I didn't belong there. And this is the first time I've ever even admitting this to somebody. Um, But I didn't feel like I belong, man. And it just made me so like self-conscious. Like, you know, these are the same people when I was 18 years old, when I went to that networking event that, obviously felt that I didn't belong there. And I kind of carried that limiting belief, man, for a little while um, until, you know, I, I pretty much came to the conclusion, like, whatever, you know, I don't really care what anybody thinks. I'm going to go off my gifts and my yeah. talents and all that good stuff. But yeah, man, that, that kind of affected me for a while where it was just like, I go in a room, I'm doing well. I see a bunch of Caucasian people um, or people that don't look like me in suits and ties and, business uh attire and corporate executive women that don't look like me like i would clam up man because it's just like oh god you know maybe i shouldn't be here and that i i felt that way for a long time one of the things that you know i think is is great about you know talking to you in this conversation is you are you're a coach you help people with performance you were successful you've written a bunch of books you know, you don't use, um, you don't use the circumstances of race or the country you live in to be like, well, this is the reason why I don't have, right. You've actually, you, I love that you just shared an example. You, 
you you're what I hear you doing is confirming that, Hey, things are different for me, but I've also learned to not let them stop me. And right. Right. That, and that's unique. I don't want to, I don't want to say, I hate when people are like, well, he did it. Everyone else should be able to, cause that's not like when we do science experiments, we don't look at the one anomaly and then say the, the majority should do that. We look at the majority and as, as where the information is. Right. And it's, 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 people, people do that. Go ahead. I was going to say, it's, it's like this, like, I'm not saying that we're at a situation where um, the system is, is designed to be at a disadvantage for us. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that how far you go is really going to depend on your perspective on this. Because you can, for every five or 10 people that says, you know what? I am, I'm, I'm black. I have these things stacked against me. And because of that, I'm going to be a failure. For every 10 people that are like that, I know 10 more people that are like, okay, I have those same circumstances, but I'm a human being. I know I have gifts, talents, and abilities. I may have to push through this, but I'm going to make it happen. And what happens is they advance in their lives but the reality of them being black will always be there. And that's, that's one thing I really, I want to clarify. Like, I'm not saying that um, you ignore the situation, but your perspective, your outlook, how you, the actions that you take can determine how successful you become, period. But you being black, you'll never change that. Do you think, I heard somebody, uh, one of my clients said to me recently, he was talking to one of his good friends. And they're having a conversation, like a really open dialogue about race. And his friend said to him, do you ever wake up in the morning and think you're white? Like, is that ever part of the way your day starts? And he was like, no, of course not. You know, he was like, what are you talking about? And the guy was like, every day I wake up and being black is part. And he's like, I don't wake. It's not a bad or good thing. It's just something that I have to acknowledge because of the way that the, because if I don't acknowledge it, I'm not being like realistic to the way the world acknowledges it right no I, I, does, I, I does, agree. That, does that I, resonate yeah I, I agree it's just like you can never and i've seen this happen and i'm not gonna you know name call or anything like that but um i've seen it happen where certain people in my culture black people they achieve a certain period of success and they feel like they belong and mm. they may get to a place where a circumstance or a situation shows them that you're still black. Like out of all of your success, mm. the things that you achieved, you're still black. They're, that's never going to change. And I think you always have to keep yourself in alignment with that reality. I think if you do that, you stay, you stay grounded and you're not as shaken when those particular periods and circumstances may occur. I think sometimes, you know, we want to live in a world where we're treated equally. We're not there yet. I believe we can get there. Um, we're not yeah. there yet. Um, but there is always, always a circumstance, man, that reminds you, you know, culturally who you are and culturally what the situation has been for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, yeah. So... You, you just can't, I would say for anybody that's a professional that wants to achieve anything in their life that's black, it's, you, you cannot 
forget the reality of who you are and what um, I don't want to say what you're up against, but the unfortunate situations that can occur because of the color of your skin. Um, uh, you just can't forget that. And you always have to, we have to live a life, man, where we are very educated about how we're being treated and how we're being unjustly treated because we've got to navigate around the world differently than everybody else, man. I mean, like we really do, like you can probably talk to a cop, right? Or somebody Caucasian to talk to a cop and say, Hey, you know what? I don't really like your attitude. Why don't you shut up? And the cop made, you don't tell me to shut up, but because of the color of their skin, that situation is not going to escalate as quickly as it would if I was to tell a cop that he needs to shut up. If I was to tell a cop that they needed to shut up right now, there are three potential things that can happen. He can tell me I need to shut up. Um, he can give me a ticket or whatever he's going to do. Or he can take me out of that car, tase me, beat me up, or shoot me. That situation will go down completely different. So our mindset has to be different than everyone else's. Yeah, there's a. I, I saw this video recently where like a cop was trying to make an arrest on a white, um, a middle-aged white guy, who was protesting with a gun in his hand. So he was protesting with like a, I don't know what kind of gun. I don't even want to get it like that. But he basically had a gun in his hand. I'm not. It doesn't matter if it was armed or not. But he was holding a gun. He was holding a gun. Who knows if the cop knew if it had, was was had bullets in it? And the cop was like like having a debate with him about arresting him. Wow. And it made me think, man, he's holding a gun. And how many times do I see, do we see videos of, or hear about the cops shot a black person who they thought, you know, they didn't have anything on them. Oh, was their wallet, their cell phone or nothing at all. And they shoot first and to your point, ask questions later, whereas this cop was debating. And again, I don't want this to be, I think one of the things we fall into is we, when we generalize groups as a whole, right? Like, I don't want it to be like, hey, every cop is not a bad, is not bad or racist. We're talking about a system, we're talking about the system more than anything. And I'd love to like hear that perspective too from you. Like, when you think about, because if you thought all white people were racist, we wouldn't be sitting here right now. We right. wouldn't have white friends. And, and I think that's sometimes how, what happens with white people when they hear this, they're like, but I'm not a racist. And it's like, right. and, and how do you, how would you explain to, let's say, you know, let's say uh, somebody listening who wants to understand, who's like, I'm not a racist. Like, what do you mean the system is, the system is systematically racist. How might you, how could you, I don't even know. Could well, you explain that to them? Well, well, see, the thing about it is I believe not every Caucasian or white person is racist, but I do believe a lot of Caucasians and white people are ignorant to mm. the reality of what's going on. And I think that's what um, they don't understand. So it, sometimes it has nothing to do with being racist, but it has everything to do with not really understanding the dynamics. So when you say systematic uh -huh. ra racism, it's just like you were brought into the world with certain privileges. I mean, like, for example, let's, let's, let's use the latest things that happened, right? 
um, the the young black man that got killed while he was jogging. Mm-hmm. You can go outside and go jogging. I guarantee the thought of your mind is never, I'm going to get sh- shot down or ran down while I'm jogging. I go out jogging right now. What I'm thinking is, man, you know what? I, I hope, you know, people think that I'm j- just jogging. Like somebody got killed last week jogging. Like even jogging is not safe. So that is a very yeah. good example of being privileged because you yeah. have certain privileges that should be normal for everybody, but you don't really realize that that's where the ignorance comes in. Like sometimes you can go to any restaurant you want. I go to an upscale restaurant, you know, um, I may be looked at a certain way um, going to this upscale restaurant. Can he really afford it? How much is he going to tip me? What's he doing here? That's be, that's privilege. So I don't think a lot of Caucasian or white people understand because that's so normal to them. So they don't look yeah. at it from our perspective because it's, it's so normal. normal. It's normal to them. Um, so those are just two examples. Like, um, like the, the recent death. I mean, you had, you had three to four cops, man, standing on somebody's neck and body till he eventually died. That was murder. You know what I'm saying? That was murder. That normally doesn't happen to somebody white or Caucasian. It just doesn't. In broad daylight, and you're talking in broad, these are not, this is not nighttime. You know, before it was, and see, this stuff was going on before, but now we have access to technology. So it's different. But this man got gunned down jogging, man, in broad daylight. So you mean to tell me I can't even jog? I can't jog in a nice neighborhood? What if I bought a house in the neighborhood? I'm a new neighbor. Somebody calls the police on me because I'm suspicious because I'm jogging. And it's happened. I've been in the neighborhood visiting um, friends that are very successful and some of the only black people in the neighborhood and they see a strange car and they're calling the police. It's only a strange car, mind you, because I'm black and I'm driving in it. It's not a strange car from white and I'm driving in it. That's privilege. That's, that's systematic because the system is set up that way. And it's, it starts with the mind, man. It's mentally Racism is not something that you come here with. It's not. It's inherited. It's taught. Whatever foundation you come from, that behavior is taught. Um, if you've never seen it, Alex, you should look at something called the doll test. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very, oh, very interesting. It. Oh, you've seen it. Okay. Yeah. But, no, very, but will, you say, will you say what it is? I know what it is. Will you, uh, will you explain it? Yeah. So the doll test, they did a, they did a test, did a study. And they put different kids of all races in a room and they put a black doll or a darker doll and the white doll. And they asked them a series of questions like, who do you think is uh, better? Um, Is this doll good? Is this one bad? Which doll do you want to be? Which one is pretty? Which one is beautiful? And it got very interesting because two of the the young black children, um, when the person asked them, who do you think is the bad doll? they point it to the darker doll. But all this whole time, they thought the the darker doll was pretty and all those things. And you could see their whole demeanor and their emotions changed when they did that. It was like, it was like the most heartbreaking thing, man, but it just goes to show you, this is taught. This is taught, man. 
Yeah. And I think, I think the thing that it's taught, not, not, I don't, there are places and families and people that it's taught overtly, right? Like that, it, that racism is overtly taught. Like those people are less than us. Those people are, you know, not as good, whatever. There's, you know, we right. have all names that we right. call people. But then there's, I think what you're speaking to is, and this is what I, this is what I see it as too. It's a system. It's a system. It's not taught. It's not like the majority of people are not taught overt racism. They're taught no, subvert, but it's like, the action. It's the, a, it's the action. It's yeah. the, we're taught so many different ways. We're taught when somebody tells us something, and we're taught through observation. Look at the observation mm-hmm. of the system. So that's yeah. what systematic racism is. The observation is teaching you how to treat us, how, how to be towards us. Yeah. It teaches yeah. you that. What, Go ahead. Well, I want to I actually know because I, I want to know what it feels like to be to be on the other side of this, right? Because you can, we can talk about all these things and people can disagree with people will, right. People will, this is what people do. We agree or disagree with everything. So people will disagree with whether what we're saying is true or not. And that's fine. They get to do whatever they want, but they can't disagree with how it makes you feel. Right. Right. Cause that, that, that's, can only be true to you. Right. You, when we can't tell somebody, Hey, you shouldn't feel sad or angry about that. That's, that's their feelings. How does it feel to be you and live the life you're living with the experiences you have as the person you are and see the things that you're seeing. It's sometimes it's, it's frustrating. It's hurtful. Um, there's some, it's a sense of an uncertainty. You know, I, I've, I just got married a little over a year ago. I have a daughter now, you know, she's two months old. So it's just like, I, I didn't know at that. Things. Congratulations. Yeah. Thanks, man. Um, I, <laughs> I have a different outlook on things, man, as a father, as a husband, as a person. And at the end of the day, I'm still black. So when I'm driving and I get pulled over by a cop or I see a cop tailing me, I start praying, man, because I'm like, you know, is my daughter going to lose her father today? You know what I'm saying? Is my wife going to be a widow? Because this is happening all over the country. And it's just like, there's a sense of fear. There's a sense of uncertainty. Every time I go out of the house, every time she leaves the house, you know, with our daughter or she's going somewhere, because it's not just black men. You know, there's been instances where black women have been harassed. Um, so I just want to point that out as well. Of course, it's predominantly black men, but black women too. Um, so it's the uncertainty. It's the fear, man. And I know we're men and we're taught to be macho and, not to really express our feelings and our emotions and all that stuff. But I don't care about that stuff. Like this is scary. Um, There's a lot of uncertainty. So before I leave my house, man, like I know which areas I'm traveling to and I, I have a good idea. And it's, this is another thing you, when you're, when you have white privilege, you don't care what area you go to. You don't care what, what law enforcement is where. When you are black in America, you start to get a good idea of what areas you drive in where the cops are going to harass you. So if I'm going to an area that I know um, will kind of make me susceptible to that type of behavior, I want to make sure that I'm not speeding. I want to make sure that I'm like doing everything right. You know what I'm saying? So there's that uncertainty there. Those are things that 
white or Caucasian people, they don't have to worry about, man. Going to an area and being harassed, they don't have to worry about that. They just don't. We have to worry about that. Mm. Because subconsciously, because of the system and the actions of the system, we don't belong there. And I think it, it's time to really destroy that narrative. Like, not everybody black, you know, is that doesn't have income. Like, there's there in every race, there are people that are on low income, and there are middle class and people that are wealthy. Every race. And I just think we have such a jaded perception, you know, from from the white and Caucasian community on what being black is, um, what we're capable of, some of the lifestyles we live. You know, it's it's always foreign when you see somebody um, black or somebody that looks like me driving in a neighborhood that that is unfamiliar or that you don't see a lot of us in. So that's that's how I feel, man. When I leave the house every day, it's sometimes it's, I'm, I'm great. I'm listening to my affirmations, you know, I'm a coach, all that good stuff. But at the end of the day, man, it's just like I'm hoping to have a good day. I hope I don't get pulled over. And I've gotten pulled over a lot, man. Is is there anything you can share about? You know, if we were, we're friends and, and you know me, you know, we, we were working on a project together. And so you could use me as an example, or you could use somebody else that's not black that you know without naming them. But I'm curious about the ways and like, like if we, if we hung out all the time and talked all the time, the question I would be asking you is, hey, how am I racist that I don't even realize? Right. Uh, and, right. and so maybe it's, maybe it's not me, right? Maybe it's not me that you want to address. Like, I don't know if you have something for me. Maybe it's somebody that you know without saying their name. You can just talk about the thing. Where the, one of those things where we don't even realize that we're doing it because it's subconscious. Right. So I think, I, okay, so I've been in situations with people that definitely weren't racist, um, but may have had some prejudice or um, they were just ignorant. To, how, to their behavior, you know, their expectations of somebody black may have just been created by what they heard, you know, uh, what they were taught. Um, and it, it, may, it may not just, it may not be something like racist, like, you know, I don't like black people or black people do this or black people do that. I'm not talking about that. But just the fact that, let me give you an example. Let me try to think of a good a good example. I, I, I mean, I'd, lo I'd love to hear it through a lens of somebody that you know, right? Like, I think that's a it's a really it's a really powerful question, right? If you were talking about me, right. like, how am I unknowingly racist? And again, we don't necessarily right. have the relationship that you know that answer right. for me, right? So, but I bet so there's somebody in your so, life that you do. So, uh, so somebody that's unknowingly racist, I can honestly say I don't have that, but I do have people that are unknowingly ignorant. Okay. I definitely have that, like flat out blatant racist. No, um, but I do have people that are ignorant, um, and they may be like, "Well, I thought black people didn't do that, or I, I thought black people didn't do this." Um, I'll give you a per yeah. I'll give you a perfect example. Okay, so I have a friend, and um, my wife, what she did when she was pregnant, she played classical music for the baby, 
because it's relaxing mm. and all that stuff, right? And yeah. I, I, I listen to like a lot of classical music, a lot of instrumentals, you know, uh, Delta waves and all that stuff for relaxation. <laughs> and the response I got was, I didn't know black people really like classical music or black people really were into that whole relaxation stuff. So not racist, but very, very ignorant. So I had to explain to them, like, why, why not? You know, we like different things. <laughs> I mean, we're mm -hmm. just because our skin is a certain color doesn't mean that we're not open to other types of music, other types of experiences. So the person apologized. You know, they were like, I'm really, really sorry. I didn't take any offense to it because I know that was ignorant. Yeah. The same way that she said that, I could say, man, I didn't know white people could, you know, dance according to our culture. You know, I'm not racist. But that, that's an ignorant <laughs> statement. Sure. I think, I think the thing, too, is like how you tie the race into it, right? When, when I used to meet people and they would hear that I liked country music, they would be like, you like country music? But it wasn't because I was like the color of my skin. It was because they knew I'm from LA. I lived in New York. You look at the way I dress, you look at the way I act. And that, those things don't line up to what most people would think somebody who likes country music is. Right. But what I hear you saying is right, because neither one of us, if I was playing classical music or you were playing classical music, neither one of us fit a per quote unquote some idea. I don't even know who like what would a little person would look like, right? They'd probably have like a wig on and powder their hair, like I don't right. know, right? But um but I think the thing that I hear you saying is it wasn't that, wow, I'm surprised you listen to classical music because of I know you and what it is. It's that what I heard you say was Oh, I didn't know black people listen to classical. Right. Like you right. guys, you guys don't like that. Right. You you ever it's funny, you ever saw that you made me not. It was a movie called Malibu's Most Wanted. <laughs> and it was yeah, with Jamie. Yeah, of course. It was okay, it was with Jamie Kennedy. And um, <laughs> he he was um, I think he was the senator's son or something like that. And he wore gold chains, you know, he talked really hip hop and all that other stuff. But the moral of the whole thing was that was like his style. That's what he liked. But because he was white, he was getting a lot of flack for it in the movie. Um, mm -hmm. And that's, that's another way of, of being ignorant. Just because you're a particular color and you're into different things, that's ignorance. That's not you being racist, but you're being ignorant of, of actually understanding that our color doesn't make us align with certain interests. Like we can yeah. all be interested in different things. So. Yeah, I had a friend, and she's just like, you know, man, I didn't know black people did this. And they were, they were like, ah, did I say that? And I had to laugh. Because <laughs> I didn't take offense so, to it. I understood where she was coming from. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm curious. I want to I break this up, and I want to hear your idea on each of these things. So if we say there's ignorance, there's prejudice, and there's racism. And I'm going right. to say how, what I, how I see them. And I'm curious to hear how you interpret or read them or whatever you want to put in. Okay. So to me, ignorance, ignorance is a not knowing. It's a, it's not, doesn't mean you're dumb or bad or stupid. It just means you don't know. Right. Prejudice means to prejudge. Right. So that simply means I see a, a, a black man walking down the street and I go, oh, he, maybe he's a criminal. Maybe he did something bad. Like, or maybe um, I have two people show up to a job interview one is a man and one is a woman. I'm going to take an eye race out of it. And I go, oh, the man will probably be less drama. That's prejudice. Right. To me, racism or sexism, all the isms, racism, sexism, 
whatever. Um, all of a sudden assert power. To me, it means that we assert power. So now we take the prejudice and we apply like, now I'm hiring the guy because of that thing. Or right. I'm, um, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm arresting that person because of their, they're black or I'm letting or, that person go think, because they're or, or you think you're better than that person because your skin color is different. Okay. So I, I would, think that's so a I huge would, factor. Okay. So I would have put that into the prejudice category because it's like the prejudging, like we're one way or the other. Right. And the, to me, the racism is that when you use those prejudices, to enact like decisions or power or structure what do you what's your thoughts or feelings about all this you don't have to have any i just i'm curious well i, I think well you know i kind of agree with you um but I, I also think with the racism there's a heavy discrimination like there's a heavy discrimination against that person for the color of their skin um i think that would be like a perfect example of being racist like you are discriminating that person totally, entirely, and everything because they're black. That's you're racist. Mm -hmm. um, but you can definitely be. You can definitely have some prejudice. You know, um, I, I think I gave you the example. Um, I didn't expect a black person to like classical music. You're prejudging me. You yeah. know, because I am black. That's prejudice. But we can get along and have a great time, and you know, you not have a racist bone in your body. But if you're discriminating, you know, if you're showing anger, hatred towards me um, just because of the color of my skin, that's when you fall into racism, man. I think it's all that stuff combined, and it just produces that particular action of hatred, discrimination, and um, being treated less than a human. And, you know, it, it's, I think racism is that combination of those things, man. And it just manifests itself in really, really ugly ways. Like, I you wonder, discriminate against me because I am black, period. Mm -hmm. I want to I hear, is, is there anything you'd want to share? If you had the ears of, let's say, every person in America, I wish I, I wish I could give you those ears, every person in the world, America, but not everyone, specifically people who you and I would agree, hey, they're not racist, they're not bad, Maybe they're prejudiced or they're ignorant, like they don't know and they don't believe it. There's somebody who would say, there's no more, there's no racism in America. That doesn't exist anymore. Like we're beyond that. Maybe there's some people, but as a system, is there anything you'd want from just from your mouth, from your perspective, you'd want them to hear or understand? Absolutely. My skin may be different. My blood is the same color. My culture may be different but my heart beats the same as yours. I may not look like you, but we're still brothers and sisters. That's what I would say. Hmm. Miyoko, uh, you know, I, I really appreciate you, man. I think, thanks for, um, first of all, being the first person to have this conversation with me. You know, neither one of us knew exactly how it was gonna go or what we were gonna do. No, I appreciate um, it, man. This was liberating, dude. Like, I'm so glad you this, this, like, I, I was a little heavy, I admit, before this call, but this, this did my heart good, man. Good. No, and I, I think, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. I think one of the things that people are struggling with 
And I think this is really important for, for somebody can hear this thing to make the difference for you. I think there's a lot of us that care a lot. Now, of all different races, religions, creeds, like, like genders, everything. That care a lot, but don't know what to do. Like, we're like, man, I, I, you know, maybe, maybe you can protest. Maybe you're not going to do that. You know, maybe uh, you could write a letter or make a phone call to your, your, your congressman, your senator, your mayor, whatever. But I think there's a lot of people going, I don't know what to do besides like the obvious. And the, the thing, I felt that way too. I felt like, man, my purpose is to make a difference for people. I want to be love on this planet. I want everyone to have every opportunity that I have and more. And in talking to my coach, it was like, man, this is, this is one way that I'm, I'm choosing to like create a dialogue, create a conversation. Hopefully you heard something in Miyoko today that made you go, man, I never even thought about it like that. And, and you know, maybe it opened something up for you. But what I really encourage you is to find a way to make a difference that's like true for you. You know, you might only change like one person's mind. You might only make an impact on one person, but that makes a difference. So I hope, you know, that, that's my hope with this. Uh, Miyoko, I'm really grateful to you for just kind of jumping in here and experimenting with me and being brave and courageous to share. Cause we both know, you know, people won't, everyone won't agree with what we're talking about or what we said, but it takes courage and bravery to, to talk about something like this. Um, and to kind of put your butt on the line um, and be the one to stand up and have a voice. So thanks for sharing not only your opinions, but your experience um, today. I really appreciate you. So thanks for listening. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this. I hope it makes a difference for you. It opens, simply opens your mind up to a new idea, a new thought. Uh, please share this with somebody who you think it might make a difference for. And if you know somebody who you're like, man, I, they need to be on here and share their voice, their opinion. Um, I'd love to hear from you or from them about who they are and how they can add a voice to the conversation and how I can support them to uh, share their message. Uh, and please just email me at alex at the dreammason.com and uh, we'll make that happen. And um, man, my, my heart is, uh, is broken for America right now. It's broken for all, people of all different different genders and races and, and all the different groups. Uh, there's, there's like too many to even to list out, but um, I hope that at the end of this, there's something that, you know, we evolve and there's something more positive on the other side. So I'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Honestly, I'm just a rebel who found a cause and has a dream and I'm super grateful for your support. If you got anything from this, please help me out and share this podcast with one person today. You can find me at thedreammason.com or at inspirationalalex on Instagram. You are a dream mason because your dreams don't build themselves.